Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Imagine getting hurt so badly that you'd be willing to get your best friend fired from their dream job. We'll get to that revenge story in a bit, but first, the high school bullies who will never forget me. I was very excited when my mom came home to tell me that she'd gotten a huge promotion at work, and a new promotion at work meant we were moving from Brooklyn to Philadelphia. I was the most excited high schooler at that moment because Philadelphia was like home to me. I love the serenity that place exuded, and most importantly, I had some aunties and cousins that made me consider there as home. I thought my excitement was going to last forever, until a bunch of high schoolers like me almost drove me into a maniac home. Nothing prepared me for the reception I got at school when we finally moved over. But I made sure I didn't go down alone. All the bullies who almost made me end things got the darkest side of me. And on the day that they were suspended from the school, most of them had come to tell me that they would carry the memories of me to the grave. I replied mockingly that, that was the plan dudes, I want the images of me to disturb y'all forever. My mom had dropped me off that morning in high spirits, and it was obvious that she knew Philadelphia was better for the both of us, and truly I had hoped so too. She had raised me alone as a single mom since I was five, and I'd seen her work hard as the years rolled by. So in my little ways, I'd grown up to relieve her of so many things at home. As a young teenager, I'd fought hard to make wise decisions that would make my mama proud of me as she'd always have been. That was the same life I tried to live in my new environment in school, but I had stronger forces around me. On my very first day at school, I noticed some bulging eyes around me. In short, those eyes followed me everywhere. Well, to be honest, I wasn't surprised. I'm easy to spot even in a large crowd, and you can blame that on my huge body. All my life, I'd never really struggled to make friends. I exuded this great influence on people without even trying. So I wasn't surprised when all the big bulging eyes that followed me around at school started fluttering around me. I wasn't comfortable at first, and I wasn't wrong to have felt that way. I just wanted to focus on my studies because I needed to bag all the good grades to get into a really good college. There was this group at school that called the Shots. They controlled things and people. These guys were young but fierce, and it was even strange that most of them came from rich homes. They had money to squander around, and if they want you to roll with them, they expected you to consider it a privilege. But when it was my turn to consider it a privilege, I shattered the whole table. I didn't like that they felt they owned everybody. I noticed them very fast because they walked with arrogance and poise. Once, one of them stepped on a girl in the dining hall and he didn't apologize. And when this girl called his attention, he almost hit her. And I was outraged by such audacity. Other members of the group stood up and began to laugh. I hated their guts. Since I was new, I tried hard to mind my business and I refused to acknowledge them. So I was surprised when they came over to talk to me. They had this party coming up and they felt I was a suitable attendee. You could use my party to unwind a little, you know. 
Jude, the biggest member of the squad, had said. Before I could say one word, Tanya, one of the girls, had chipped in. I heard you're new in Philadelphia. We'd be generous enough to show you around. I was almost screaming when I said I wasn't new in Philadelphia and I didn't want to unwind. I mockingly added that I would rather be at home eating a home-baked burger and laughing hard while I watched cartoons instead of attending any sick party. Maybe I went a little overboard too, or my contempt for them had grown on me. None of them expected me to hit them that hard, so they were taken aback in utmost disbelief. I guess no one had told them to go screw themselves in a long time. To be honest, I wasn't equally ready for the trouble I'd incurred on myself either. I should have just walked away without being an unsolicited orator. Two days after the party, I got my first dose of bullying from these guys. I'd gone into the dining hall to eat just as expected. I was in the queue waiting for my turn and minding my business when Tanya stepped on me and instead of apologizing, began to shout. I was confused. I thought I ought to have been the angry person. I was still thinking when she emptied a cup of cranberry juice on my head. I don't know what hurt more, the juice which flowed right into my eyes or the roaring laughter that engulfed the hall. All along, I'd thought myself of Robinson Crusoe who received secret applause and encouraging nods. But when that laughter erupted for almost everyone in the dining hall, I knew I had to stand firm and fight alone. Tanya didn't stop her screams. In her words, she claimed I stepped on her, yet I refused to acknowledge or apologize or anything. She sounded very credible, as against me who stood there motionless and embarrassed. At that point, our class teacher and our year tutor had been called in to look into the mess, and it was easy to believe the crying girl. We both got punished, but I had a severe punishment. I was the one who stepped on toes, you know. I began to regret my open confrontation with these guys. I wished that I could turn back the hands of time to take back my words, but it was too late at that point. I thought of what I could have done differently as I used the toilet on that hot summer Tuesday. I thought everything was fine until I tried to open the door. But the door didn't open. I began to panic. A test was about to start in 10 minutes and I'd used 5 minutes banging at the door for help. No one was forthcoming, I was frantic and helpless. I prayed that a student would come by or a janitor or anyone I could use at that time. No janitor came by because we were expected to be writing our tests at that time. After I got help, I was too late to write the test. Thank God for the CCTV camera that showed that someone locked me in, I was able to get another chance to write the test. At that point, my mental health had begun to suffer and my performance in the test was far from what I expected. At home, I had been a little withdrawn. My mom noticed a change in me but I trivialized it when she asked if I was fine. I didn't want her to worry about me, I just wanted her to focus on herself for once. At some point, I opened up to my cousin Trevor. He was there for me then. He admonished me not to end up as a bully too because that's how bullies end up sometimes. A few weeks later, after that conversation, I knew for a certainty that I was going to end up as a bully too, except that I was going to bully my bullies. A lot of things had happened after the toilet incident, but the one that almost drove me nuts and spurred the spirit of vengeance in me was when Alicia, another girl in the school, was used against me. My mother had read from the Bible that vengeance is of the Lord's, but in that case, I couldn't wait for the Lord. I feared he might not do it early. Before then, I stopped being a hard guy, 
and I thought a little friendship won't hurt. Alicia's seat was right behind me, so it was easy for us to strike a little conversation. The vibe and the connection were easy and we didn't even try too much. I'd liked her a lot, but I knew taking things further would spur distraction, or maybe I was just a shy bird. I'd felt things would evolve naturally. Exams were fast approaching, and Alicia invited me over to her place for what was supposed to be a harmless dinner and an intensive study time. It was easy to turn down, but on second thought, I felt a little distraction won't hurt. After all, I'd been a dutiful student all along. The dinner was scrumptious and we both studied in silence until Alicia moved too close to me. I was uncomfortable and I adjusted a little on my side of the couch. Before I could ask what was up, Alicia had pounced on me voraciously. I had not expected the intense and sensitive kiss she gave me. I tried to break free but she was struggling. She told me not to move an inch and that she wanted me so much all this time. I knew she was bent on doing more so I took charge. I tried to overpower her just to keep her under control. What I didn't know was that I had bitten more than I could chew. The next day, Alicia accused me of trying to take advantage of her. I was dazed. I was trying to allow that to sink in when these guys that were a thorn in my flesh showed up with pictures. The only part they showed was when I tried to put Alicia under control. All I could do was swallow my saliva harder than was necessary. They told me no one messes with them in this school, and that they were going to teach me how to be a natural conformist anywhere I go. Before I could say a word, I found myself at the principal's office. Alicia was there too with two other girls who claimed to have run in just in time to save their precious flower Alicia. I tried hard to explain myself, but it was their words against mine. More so, there was a picture of me trying to overpower a girl, so my chances of coming out of the trap were slim. My mom was called immediately, and then I was told that I would be placed under strict monitoring until a proper investigation was carried out. My mom had never given me such a mixed look before, teary and scornful at the same time. She had worked hard to get me into this expensive school, and what did she get in return? Shame. I didn't know what it meant to have a panic attack until I was wrongly accused of attempted you know what. My mom didn't raise an R-wordist, and she believed me when I told her that I was wrongly accused. The only thing she said was, make sure you prove to the world that I didn't fail at good parenting. It was a tough decision, but I knew I needed to prove my innocence and also handle these bullies once and for all. Ironically, I became a blockhead at that instance as I couldn't think of anything and the fact that they could use anybody nauseates me. I was very disappointed to see that even Aisha allowed herself to be bought over. I needed to be careful then because it was obvious that I was a lone wolf, but I wanted to prove to these guys that they'd gotten on my last nerves. The first moment I got was in the dining hall. I was intoxicated by revenge, and I cared less about the outcome of my actions. As far as I was concerned, it couldn't get worse than it already was. It was lunch break, and as usual, a lot of students were famished, and there was a mild rush to the dining hall. I was minding my business when these guys came very close to me. They sparked off side talks and mocking laughter against me. In that anger, I walked very fast. I was angry, but I needed to contain it all. If they knew I was almost losing it, they wouldn't have come too close. 
I knew they were right behind me, but I made a 360 degree turn backwards with heavy force when I felt a touch on my right shoulder. The 360 degree turn resulted in a heavy flip backwards. It happened in a flash and in no time, three of the gang members were rolling in excruciating pain on the floor and four of their incisor teeth were scattered on the dining floor. We'd all walked into the dining hall as a group, so it was difficult to say what happened at that moment. Before they were taken to the health center, most of the students were whispering that it was an accident without even knowing who or what caused the accident. Only the gang members and I knew what happened. I saw fright on their faces and I knew that my moment had come. Well, my first victims couldn't take the exams with us and they eventually had to take the academic year again. It wasn't that they've had good grades in the past anyway. I had noticed that these guys were into hard drugs and no student was expected to have anything to do with that at the school. Most students that got wind of this despicable act were too scared to open up. Well, there was an open battle already, but it was too late to back down. I followed them secretly to a hidden spot they mapped out for their evil act. They'd been careful to make sure there were no CCTVs there, except that I was the CCTV they underestimated. It wasn't an easy task, but I was determined. I got close enough to take good pictures of all of them. When I was satisfied, I ran off like a thief. I saw Alicia, and I don't know what her fear was, but I was taking her down with the gang members if she refused to own up to her crimes against me. I showed her the pictures, and she could tell that I was not bluffing. She had 10 minutes to confess or to regret that she didn't. She ran as fast as her legs could carry her to the counselor's office. She related all that truly happened and how she was used against her wishes. She told the counselor that she was ready to show them the real evidence that showed my innocence. When she passed by me on my way to the principal's office, I knew she'd cleared my name. As expected, I related everything that had been going on to the principal as I'd always done but this time with tangible pieces of evidence. An emergency assembly was called, and these guys were called out in front of all of the students. Our parents were also called. These guys were suspended indefinitely from school and were also sent to a rehabilitation center. They were to return to the school to retake another academic year, and that'll only be possible if they were confirmed fit to return to the school. If they refused to comply with these strict measures, they would be expelled immediately, and they would never get a good recommendation from the school to enable them to transfer to another school. I was elected as a member of the Hall of Fame, and my photograph was hung alongside other past heroes. That's what the principal called me, a hero. I could see the tears on my mother's face and the satisfaction on Trevor's face. Alicia. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. It was equally suspended for the rest of the academic year. She wasn't a bully, but she couldn't stand up to bullies when she had the chance to. The next time I entered the dining hall, there was a resounding round of applause from the students. I could only nod and grin at the same time. I didn't know which one to do first. I just find it hard to believe that people would be so complacent with this ring of bad behavior going on at this school. Why does it take one person to go out of their way to finally bust this all up? That said, our final story of the day is, I got my best friend fired from his dream job. I should probably start by saying that I really didn't want to do what I did. Toby and I are, were, best friends. We met as roommates in college and we instantly hit it off. He was an engineering whiz, hoping to someday work building amazing telescopes for NASA. And I was a history major hoping to someday see and document the world. But we had a shared interest, gaming. Now, my family wasn't exactly the wealthiest out there, but I could enjoy some luxuries like my custom-built PC, which was pretty specked out. I'd set it up the moment I moved in. The day we met, Toby had barely walked all the way in when he saw the setup. He immediately went, whoa. We spent the next hour and a half discussing games. Together we played games like Halo 5 and FIFA, him on his gaming laptop and me on my PC. With time, a wonderful friendship started to bloom. We would go jogging together, go out to bars and clubs together, and there was even a time we pranked the resident hall director together. I knew I could always rely on him, even when things were rough, like when I almost dropped out of school because I was worried I wasn't doing well enough. Eventually, I met his family and he met mine. We were almost inseparable. And then Stacy happened. Now I know how this sounds, but this isn't a cliché story of two men who have a fallout fighting for the affection of a woman. This is a little more complex than that. I met Stacy in my freshman year. She and I had taken a couple of classes together, and I had instantly liked her the moment I saw her. One day, after a class project together, I finally had the guts to talk to her and try my luck. It went well. Very well. It turns out she had a crush on me too. Within two weeks, we were dating. At first, Toby seemed fine with it. 
In fact, he was the one who helped pick my clothes out for my first date with Stacy, while he gave me tips on what to do and what not to do. But as Stacy and I started to spend more time together, he started to get noticeably upset and jealous. I mean, sure, he and I were spending less time together, but it wasn't a big deal, or at least that's how I saw it. The issue seemed to sort itself out when Toby got an internship at NASA through the Pathways Intern Employment Program, which helps college students find their footing in the space industry and motivates them to start a career. Now he was the one who rarely had the time for me, as he spent almost every waking moment fawning over some new space telescope that was going to change how we see space and ourselves. Every once in a while though, we would find the time to play some games. It was still obvious that he wasn't a fan of Stacy anymore. To him, she was just a fling and one day I'd be over her. My girlfriend seemed to pick up that my best friend didn't like her, but apart from a few comments about how she wished he'd accept her, she really didn't seem to mind. Me? I didn't want a serious clash. So as long as Toby kept his dislike low-key, I was fine. By senior year of college, Stacy and I had been dating for almost two years, and we'd formed our lives around each other. I was certain that she was the one I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, and she felt the same way. Toby, who was now interning at SpaceX, was still my roommate, though we'd gotten an apartment outside the school campus. When I told Toby about my plans to marry Stacy, he just laughed and said, Oh, please. A year later, when I called to tell him I'd proposed to Stacy that night, he just hung up. I knew I had a big problem on my hands that I needed to sort out immediately. So I set up a meeting with the both of them, and I let them, especially Toby, know that they were the two most important people in my life, and I really wanted them to get along. A serious conversation, a few drinks, and a little more tears than I'd like to admit later, Toby confessed that he was jealous because he'd never been close to anyone as much as he was to me and that he was scared Stacy was going to replace him. He apologized to Stacy and promised he was going to be better. That promise seemed to hold up, and he became more accepting of Stacy. They got along together just fine, and Stacy even matched him up with one of her friends. They had their inside jokes, and sometimes it seemed like they were just a little too close. Honestly though, I was just really happy they were getting along, and I didn't want to ruin things by being jealous. Things seemed like they couldn't be better, till my bachelor party. Toby and I had agreed that my bachelor party wasn't going to be wild. Just a few friends, a few beers, and a last game of poker at our place. I had moved my things to mine and Stacy's new place, but Toby suggested that I sleep in our apartment one last time. He said it would be symbolic. I agreed. So imagine my surprise when after getting home with our friends... I opened the door and met a party filled with at least a dozen and a half people. Now, while most of the guests were mutual friends, there were a few new faces, and Toby introduced me to one of them, a blonde-haired girl named Stella. I noticed he was trying to act all wingman-y, but I wasn't exactly suspicious. Stella and I talked a lot. We seemed to share a lot of similar interests, and I was genuinely happy to make a new friend. Throughout the night, Toby kept handing me alcohol and I for some reason kept downing them. I got a little tipsy so when he offered me yet another shot of vodka, I declined. He assured me it was the last drink he let me have though, so I reluctantly took it. That's all I remember about that night. 
The next morning, I woke up hungover and irritable, but I was determined to make it to the wedding on time. Toby and I got ready, I took a couple pills of aspirin, and together we got into the limousine we'd rented to the church. The moment I got down from the limo, I knew something was wrong. There was a small crowd outside and they all had sullen faces. I knew the words they were going to say before they even said them. Stacy had cancelled the wedding. She had received a video of me that morning allegedly making out with a random woman. I was certain it must have been a mistake, but she wasn't even there to talk to. I tried to tell their older brother, who was there, that it was just a big misunderstanding, but he told me not to push it and just go home. I was confused, but more than that, I was hurt. I had never cheated on Stacy. Ever. She was the love of my life and I would never do anything that stupid. I cried for hours. When I was finally able to leave the church, hours later in the evening, Toby was still there by my side. I was grateful for his support. It wasn't until I was in the taxi back home that I pieced it all together. It was you, I whispered, but I knew he had heard. He didn't respond. Why? I asked. When he finally spoke, he said, It had to be done. She was a leech sucking the life out of you. You were just too deluded to figure it out. It hurts me to see you like this, but it's nothing compared to the pain she would have caused you for years. So I spiked your drinks a little and got you drunk, and after that it was easy. With your inhibitions gone, it was a simple matter of getting that girl I paid to seduce you and record that video. I taught her all the right things to say to get your attention though, and with over a dozen witnesses seeing you with her all night long, it's going to stick. I'm sorry, buddy. At that point, my sorrow, my pain, it all turned to rage. For the first time in our four and a half year friendship, I hit Toby hard. I pummeled him till my knuckles were sore and the taxi driver had to call the police. The jerk had the guts to insist on not pressing charges and even bailed me out of jail. All efforts to talk to or see Stacy failed, and when I tried explaining what had actually happened to her family, all I got was a letter from her saying that it didn't matter and that I was still responsible for what happened. Her brother dropped my things off at my parents and I moved in with them too. I quit my job, went off social media, and sunk into a deep depression. For days I didn't eat. I barely slept, and I spent most of my waking moments crying. My parents were very understanding and supportive though, and they were there for me while trying not to be too imposing. I had lost everything I cared about, and it was all Toby's fault. For weeks I slugged around the house fantasizing about how my life would have been if I hadn't gone out with Toby that day. I replayed every moment over and over and over again, and I blamed myself for everything. And then, a few months of drowning in misery, I had an epiphany. I finally accepted that this was all Toby's fault. And I wasn't just going to let him get away with it. I got a new reason to live. Sweet, glorious revenge. So, I finally left my room, I got a job at my dad's firm, and started piecing my life back together. One day, after weeks of ignoring his calls, I called Toby. He seemed glad to hear from me and started discussing moving back in with him. I told him I'd think about it. If I'd said yes on the spot, he'd have gotten suspicious. And then I started plotting. This plan had to be perfect. I had only one shot at this. Now, Toby had gotten his dream job at NASA working as an engineer. 
according to a mutual friend, he was even planning on getting his master's to meet one of the prerequisites for applying into NASA's astronaut program. I researched as much as I could about his job and the hierarchy at work. God bless the internet. A few weeks later, I called that I had forgiven him and that I was ready to move in with him again. By the next week, I had. I immediately set my plan into motion. See, Toby might be whiplash smart, but he's not smart enough to not use the same password for everything. And soon I had access to his work email. I also installed a Trojan horse on his computer that I could remotely activate. With the access to Toby's work I now had, I found out what project he was currently working on. A telescope that was worth billions. He was on the team whose job it was to make sure the telescope launched successfully into space. It seemed really important. The hard part about all this was keeping my loathing cloaked. I had to act like we were friends and laugh at his jokes. I even went as far as to play games with him. Sometimes I almost broke character, but I was on a mission I couldn't afford to fail. The night before I struck, I took my ex-best friend out to see a movie, and then we went to a bar. He for some reason apologized again for what he had done and said that he was glad that we were back together, just like old times. I told him we were cool and then we went back to drinking. Just like me almost a year before, he was unaware of just how drastically his life was going to change soon. All he saw was a friend hanging out with him and enjoying the moment. He should have known better. Later that night, after we'd gotten back into the apartment and I was sure he was asleep, I activated the Trojan horse that not only corrupted every file on his work laptop, but also spread through the network to other computers disguised as an important document, corrupting everything in its path. I was certain that single act alone could put him in serious trouble, but I wasn't done yet. With access to Toby's email that I had, I wrote an email tagged all of his co-workers to it and went on a rant about how NASA was run by clowns while insulting as many of his bosses as I could. I got very colorful with the name calling. I doubled down saying that I'd had enough and I dared management to do anything if they had the guts. For good measure, I also permanently removed every game in his Steam library. I scheduled the email to send at 8am blocked his number from my phone, and left the apartment forever. Of course, he got fired. I heard through my mother. Apparently, Toby had gone into a fit of rage and went to look for me at my parents, armed with a gun. He angrily emptied the magazine into my parents' lawn when he didn't find me there. Thankfully, the police arrived shortly after and arrested him. He's being charged with attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. My revenge, finally complete, I went to visit him in detention. When he saw me, he stiffened. I could see in his eyes the pain that I had felt for months. The pain that I still haven't quite dealt with completely if I'm going to be honest. He finally understood, and that felt so good. Seething, he picked up the phone and asked, why? I stared deep into his eyes, mirroring his venom, and with tears in my eyes, I replied, it had to be done. So there you have it. That's the story of how I got my best friend fired from his job. Honestly... I have no regrets, and I'd probably do it again if I could. This almost sounds like a movie script, like this is some cable guy type movie. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. 
That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.